Good morning. There was just an and there was just I anticipation. I know. What's next? What's next? What's we next? resolved the chord, Justin. I know. It was. We went what? back to the. We went back to the one. I know. What's next is me being needy, getting all my, <laughs> all my stuff out here. Man, I am so scared of that juice cup right now. <laughs> this could, no, no, I've got, I've got it. Thank you, thank you. We move it. We move it. Yes, yes. Thank you for serving me, brother. I'm, that was not a joke. I was literally, I was like, I'm gonna kick that right off the stage in a fit of excitement and joy and jubilation during this during this message. Um, I am grateful to be here and share with you guys today. Are y'all ready to get into the word? Okay, okay, go ahead and watch this, look. Stand back up with me, right? We're going to go ahead and get it. We're going to read two scriptures this morning, okay? Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. In Romans 12:1. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much for the blood of Jesus that covers us and provides forgiveness and redemption. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with my brothers and sisters, with your people this morning, Father. I pray that you would open our hearts to an encounter with you, that you would anoint me to speak your words clearly, Lord God, and that all the jokes and the things that I have to say uh, would not be what would be remembered, but we would remember uh, what you have to speak to us this morning, that we'd be forever changed more into the image of your son, Jesus, for his glory and the advancement of your kingdom here on earth. Father, we love you. God, we love you, and we thank you for being here with us, and it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, we're going to be talking about a better life. We're going to be talking about our workplace and our work life, and now I have a job where I pretty much work by myself, and I get to create and craft custom furniture, but that wasn't always the case. I've done some, some dirty jobs I, uh, I used to ride on the back of a trash truck. That was actually kind of awesome, right? And, you, and, and I was good at it because we'd, we'd pull up and I'd slide off and grab that can and wheel it back up and sling it around and jerk the thing until the trash came out. That's when it was not awesome. But we did get appreciative gifts from people at the end of the year that would make us things or you'd open the lid and there'd be a little card that'd say, trash man with... 20s and 50s, and depending on what neighborhood, $100 bills in there. So uh, thank you, trash man, this year with some chips, cookies, and cakes, and 10s and 20s, and depending on what neighborhood you live in, $100 bills, okay? Because trash men sure do appreciate it, and I bet you appreciate not having to do that yourself, amen? Each week, the average adult, according to statistics, uh, spends 40% of their waking hours working. 40% of their waking hours. Whoever came up with this poll or statistic did not have kids. <laughs> couldn't have. Couldn't have. There's absolutely no way you have a kid and say, oh, only 40% of your time is done working. Right, parents? Uh, or they had no idea what actual work is. 
But we do spend a lot of our lives working. We see it all throughout the Bible. And if work occupies so much of our time, it would be a rational thought to expect that God cares about our work. I grew up with a tremendous example from my mom and dad. I remember my father often working multiple jobs. Now, I don't know if it was poor money management if it was outside circumstances, I wasn't privy to all of the reasons. And it could be and both and not either or, right? Um, but I don't know all of the reasons why my mom and dad worked so hard. But I did know that from an early age, I understood the importance of work and a work ethic. My mom worked in the corporate world and my dad uh, actually ran the cruise that I ended up working for on the trash truck. Isn't that something? See how that Comes full, anyways, we'll, um, I digress. Uh, but he, he worked a government job and then he would work uh, part time at night. I remember um, uh, a lot in the winter time, in the winter months, him coming home from work and then he'd go to work at Kmart before Kmart looked like a place where you would buy things if another Kmart were going to begin. Anybody? Did you ever go to Kmart and you wonder if they're even open or not? <laughs> You're like, are y'all doing business? And they say, yeah, but like, can you turn the lights on in the back half of the store? Because <laughs> I mean, Kmart used to be the best place to get an icy, though. Get an icy and then run from your parents around. Oh, good old Kmart, whatever happened to them. But I uh, understood the value of work growing up. They instilled that in me and my sister, the value of hard work, commitment, dedication, right? But the Bible has an even better place to show us what work is like because not all of our parents have given us a good work ethic or not all of us have a good work ethic or maybe we've had one at one time and the cares of this world have choked that out. So what does the Bible have to say about? What does the Bible have to say about work? So if we go to Genesis 1, we can see God is at work. He's creating, separating, gathering. He's moving all of the things that he created in Genesis chapter 1. He called those things good. God was at work in the very beginning. And then in Genesis 2, which anybody can read these first two chapters without getting distracted to get there to this point. In Genesis 2, we see the details of man's first job. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Another version says to tend and to keep it. And I was very leery about saying this in first service, um, but there was only a handful of guys that could chase me down. Um, so I'm even scareder, more is scareder a word? It's Halloween, it's, it's, it's October, you can say scareder. I'm even scareder now because there's more men and some of them are pretty fast in here. But I'm going to go on record and say this. Um, it was the man's responsibility to tend and keep the garden, not the woman's. And there are some of us men that get upset when our garden, our home is not tended or kept up. And if more of us men would take responsibility to tend and keep our gardens and realize it is our job, then maybe our wives would take the cue from us as leaders in the home. All the women say, amen. All you men, 
Give me a five-minute head start when we're done. It's five. I ain't going to need more than that. My truck's pretty fast. But you all know where I live. Damn it. Done it now. But God knew, God knew that we could not do this alone. He knew there was no way I could tend and keep the garden, right? So he created a helper. I can't even tend and keep the laundry at home. Any other guys feel me on that? I try, and it's not from lack of effort. I try. I know when my wife is getting overwhelmed because the pile that goes from our bed to the dresser each night for us to get into bed gets bigger and bigger, and that's when I know she needs help, right? There's a couple of you that, that feel my pain right there. And I say, honey, can I, can, I, can I help you with the laundry? I don't intentionally fold bad. I fold pretty good. It's just I put things where they don't go. I will give Lily Noah's clothes. I'll end up with Griffin's shirts. Jessica will have size nine kids' pants in her drawer. And she's like, it's just extra work. for You're actually, you're not helping me. You're creating more work for me to do. God knew I couldn't even do laundry on my own, so he made a helper suitable to tend and keep the garden. Praise the Lord for that. God created us for work. One of the reasons he created us was for work. Not in a terrible, lording way, not to do his bidding on the earth, but to subdue the earth. Subdue the earth, because this is a reflection of God's beauty. Plumbers, farmers, framers, teachers, pastors, stay-at-home moms, which is all of those things, all the jobs. You want to know what all the jobs include? Mom. My wife has left me every year to go to this basketball camp for four days, and I almost have a nervous breakdown. Huh? I saw this thing on Facebook that said, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And it said, bro, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. And that's the way I feel most of the time. I don't know how to function without the Lord. I don't know how to be a dad and a mom. I don't realize, I, you say things like, don't mom me. But then you be like, where are my keys? Did you make that appointment for me? How many minutes do I put the microwave on for this? Right? Helpless. Absolutely helpless. I told you I was needy. God created us in His image, and, and, and part of what He's shown us is that there is work to be done in the earth. There's work to be done. We're created in His image. We are made, created to create. We're hardwired to be creative. God, it's in our DNA, right? Not taking nothing and making something, but taking things that God has already given us and being creative with it but it still requires work. Not all of it is labor-intensive. Not all of it is labor-intensive, but it does require work. We create meals from ingredients. We create houses from different building materials. Right? Another thing is we bring order out of chaos. Governments establish order for life and commerce. That takes work. Engineers create systems for us to, to use. We clean our houses. That is order out of chaos. Have you been? I don't understand. It's like, it's like there are gorillas that come in every week and gather all my kids' stuff and then start doing backflips and throw it all in the air. 
I don't understand how a six-year-old can find every toy in his room and decide they all should probably go right back here, right here. Doors here, they need to go there. I got it from there, it's going to stay here. And somehow, I'll come back in there and it's order out of chaos, somehow being Jessica. And me sometimes. That's why I need to say, when I say, men, it's our responsibility to tend to keep the garden, it's my responsibility too. But if work is good, when God created everything, He said, this is good. Right? He created, he created the sun and the moon. He brought order out of chaos. He says that the earth was formless and void. It was just chaos. And God brought order to it. And He spoke life into existence. And He created birds and stars and, and man and woman and gardens and created work for us. And He said, everything that I've done is good. Then why do we hate Mondays? Why? I, I, simp- I know what she's going through right now. I feel like that a lot of times. I feel like the pug too. Anybody? Why does our work seem so hard at times? Why does our job just, we just dread going to work? Anybody just dread going to work sometimes? Anybody? The problem is because of sin. Sin has infected our world. There's a sin problem. Sin has corrupted our desire to work and made work itself difficult. Because when God placed man in the garden to tend and to keep it, after sin, He said, now it's going to really stink. Before He was... I don't know because I know this is weird, but Adam was naked and didn't know it. And he's in there gardening... And now, now he's got the bear skin, and I think of like the, the dirt field, and he's hoeing, you know what I mean? Like, you went from naked gardening and enjoying it, to now you got a hoe a field with a bear skin cloth on? The thing's got to be 200 degrees. I bet it was July when they got kicked out, too. And he was like, yeah, watch the, all right, you mess with me? You want to eat the tree? Summer's going to be nine months, and we're still reaping the, the right? 92 degrees on Thursday. Sin is a problem in our world. I'm just glad I don't have to do my job, Nick. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. There are three temptations that we all face, potentially face, and it's because of sin when it comes to our work. The first temptation that we face is to worship your work. To worship your work. And, and like, like I told first service, I'm not talking about you put it up here and you're like, oh, 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 O'Reilly, we worship you, O'Reilly's. Just gonna, you, you are the king of auto parts. If you work at O'Reilly's or wherever it is you work, right? But I'm talking about how you place work before everything in your life and it becomes the detriment to your family and destructive to you. Work has the potential to become an idol in our lives. To put in out, and I know we all have seasons where we got to work long hours. I'm not talking about that. Summer is long 
for the days get longer in summer for a reason. Okay? And there, there are seasons where we have to work longer hours because of what is required of us. But it is not God's will that we place work above everything. Just because work occupies a lot of our time does not need, it means it needs to occupy the number one spot. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The next temptation is to reject your work. And what I mean by reject your work is difficult seasons um, will tempt you to quit. To quit your job. Does anybody have anybody at their workplace that they that gets on your absolute last nerve? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> anybody? You can raise your hand unless you work at the church. Don't. No, just be honest. If there's somebody at your work, when they come around, you're like, oh, gosh. Right? She's so demanding. Right? There is the temptation to quit or to give up when there are circumstances that come against us or, or, or we don't like certain things about our job. Now, I know that God will tell you, you need to lay this down and move on. He's told me to lay things down and move on to a different place. But what I'm talking about is when that one person that gets on your nerve because you don't know how to handle Karen, and Karen, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about... <laughs> Karen, a Karen, you don't know how to handle a Karen. And Karen is always getting on your nerves. And Karen is always demanding. And you quit your job because of Karen. Guess what? There's going to be another Karen at the next place you go. Except her name is going to be Susan. Because God's not trying to work something out in Karen. He's trying to work something out in you. And when you pack up and move on because you don't know how to deal with Karen, God's going to say, well, we'll learn this lesson with Thomas. We'll learn this lesson with Susan. Until we learn this lesson. Because God, most of the time, is, is working on something in me. And who knows, he, I may be the catalyst that actually changes Karen. I love you so much, Karen. I am not talking about you. I, I promise you, I'm not talking about you, Karen. I promise. To reject your work, there's also that temptation for rest and leisure to become laziness. Right? I have teenagers. I know what laziness looks like. But like I was telling uh, my family in the first service, I am so far removed from the teenage years that I have no sympathy for it. I've gotten to that point of being a dad where I'm like, I, don't, I, I can't understand anymore. Get up and do Help me out around here. I used to be closer to that gap of being a teenager, and I could be like, I can understand. You know, I was a teenager once. Now I'm like, now. <laughs> now. And once you, what I found out is once you become a dad, you're everybody's dad. I'll be yelling at people's kids and I'll get out of the street. <laughs> I do. I don't even know why. They're not my kids. I don't even know what that has to do with anything. I just, I just, some man, just sin will cause you to reject your work and become lazy. Sin also has a temptation for it to twist our work. And our workplace. Has anybody ever been tempted to take money under the table? Have you been tempted to fudge the numbers? 
skew the reports, cut corners, right? I know I'm supposed to mow the whole backfield, but nobody ever goes back there. Why am I going to mow the whole thing? Right? But if we remember the first Scripture we put up is to work unto the Lord, He sees it. Because most of the time, we try to do, if we try to do something sneaky, we're looking around hoping nobody sees it. But it always finds a, has a way of coming out. Plagiarism? You ever been tempted to pass off somebody else's work as yours? Sin has a way of twisting what God intended to be good. But we're talking about a better life here. We're talking about a better life and how to have a better life. Three things we need to remember in regards to our workplace. Number one, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He took the thorns and the thistles that were meant to choke out the weed and choke out the seed and wore them as a crown because He's Lord over all. It might be cheesy to say, but Jesus is my boss. And there's some of you got to remember that when you go back tomorrow and Karen's there waiting at your desk. Did you get that report done Friday before you left? No, you didn't because you never emailed it. Jesus, take the wheel right now. (laughs) Right? When you come outside in October to work, all you outside workers, and it's still 90 degrees outside, Jesus, you're in control. The next thing to remember is that God works through our work. God absolutely works through our work. He works through for us and for others. Let me ask you this. What did you eat for breakfast? What did you say? Donuts? Oh, praise the Lord. I know what's in donuts. You should have heard me in first service. I thought oats came from an oak tree because somebody said it. I said, I ate oats. And then I said, I don't even know where they come from. So I said, an oak tree. And I'm like, I feel stupid right now because I believe it. I do. Right? I didn't eat donuts. Right? Donuts come from oats too? They all come from the oak tree. It's a grove. <laughs> North, p- west, North Pacific area, the Northwest. So I, I had oatmeal for breakfast, okay? Right? Now just follow me. Do you know how many things, how many people's work had to go into that package of oatmeal that I got from Walmart? Well, first, Walmart had to exist and make it conveniently placed at eye level for me to see the steel-cut oats, that, Right? And somebody had to create the cool packaging that goes inside of the box that says, here's where you fill it up with water, and then here's where you tear it. These are not the same line. So tear it here, fill it up with water here. Somebody had to figure out the amount of oats that need to go in this little bitty package, right? Somebody designed the package. There was a paper company that made the package. There was somebody that created the printer, that printed the labels on those. There was another worker that said 12 packs don't go in there, 10 packs go in there. Then there was a driver that drove it all. There was a a farmer who had a grove of oat trees that got the oats, (laughs) sold them to the company, right? 
There's so many things that, are, that go into that so I can conveniently go into my, uh, to my cabinet, open it up, get the oats, put it in the bowl, get the right amount of water so it's not super creamy but not just thick, right, to eat my breakfast. There's so many things that go into our work that we take for granted. Your work is used to bless others, and God will use your work to bless you. This is a picture of me walking out my ordinary, everyday life in the shop. And I'm going to give you guys a story, a quick testimony about how God has weaved things together in my own life through my work to bless others and to bless me. And He does the same thing for each one of us. It's, it's rare that I see what He's doing in the moment. But when I'm able to step back and get a little bit of a press box view, when I can get above the field sometimes, I can see what He's doing. And it just blows me away that He loves me that much. So I'm working here in my shop. I'm building a chair. And a lady, um, a reporter, for instance, I want to do an article about you and run it in the Daily News Journal about you and your wife and this hobby that you had that turned into a business. So she writes this article, and it runs in our little Rutherford County paper. And then the following week, it runs in the Tennessean. And we're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, a lady that's reading the Tennessean says, these are the people that I've been looking for. And so she calls me and says, hey, I have these two barns that have been in my family since 1827, and we want to donate them to you. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with a donated barn. I would, dude, 180 years, what am I going to do with a 180-year-old barn? But the more I talked to her, the more I found out the rich history that her family had. There were nine generations that had lived on this farm and still live there to this day. And the building that the gentleman built in 1827 was still standing. And so all this rich history started coming out, and God birthed an idea in me called Reclaimed America. And Reclaimed America was the idea to tell stories of men and women like the Chester family and honor them through the pieces that we made. God birthed this idea in me. And so... All the while, I'm walking out my Mondays, I'm walking out my Tuesdays, I'm going to my shop, I'm just doing the little things that God is asking me to do. Well, along the way, um, my neighbors um, had to have a new water pipe put in. And the company that was putting the water pipe in brought all this heavy equipment and this big pile of gravel and this piece of steel and all this pipe. And I was like, you know what, guys? You can just put it right here in my yard. You can store all of this in my grass. You can kill all the grass. It don't matter. Um, you can pile up this stuff right here. I'd rather you guys have access to it as opposed to putting it way over here in the school field and you don't really aren't able to use it. I just felt like I needed to be kind to them. And I even had two buddies two of which I will not name, but I told First Service I'm going to look right at them when I say this. <laughs> they both said, are they paying you anything for that? For using your land? And I said, no, I just feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. I just feel like I'm supposed to be kind to them. Like that's what God's asking me to do. It's, not, it's, not, it's costing me, but, but I, and I'm not getting anything out of it. But I feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. And so I let them use my land, and the, the gentleman that runs the crew came over to me and said, hey, man, I see you work with a lot of reclaimed lumber. Um, we actually are going to take this barn down on Rock Springs Road. Would you be interested in coming and salvage some of this? 
right? That barn that stood on Rock Springs Road that everybody drove by and said, man, that'd be great. Well, this is in November. Months go by, months go by, months go by. And then one day the Lord said, why don't you just go by that barn? I went by that barn and made a little video about how I was going to take it down and posted this video on Hip Smyrna. And it was taken down in five minutes because it was super illegal to post a video, I don't know, on Hip Smyrna. And they got mad and took it down. But it was up long enough for somebody to see it and tell Troy Ross, hey, uh, that barn you've been looking at, trying to get wood from, I know the guy that's going to take it down. You need to go down there. His shop's right down the street from you. The next day, Troy comes by my shop looking for barn wood. And what he found was an encounter with the Lord. I never even had to leave the shore and the fish just swim right up to the bank. You never have to leave the shore sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, at your workplace. The fish will swim right up to the bank if you are aware of what God is doing. And I wasn't aware. By the grace of God, I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell Him you ain't here for barn wood. And the moment I told Him, something broke inside. And now I have a brother that's been brought back to the fold. So me, yeah. It gets better. It gets better. This was the barn. And look, you see that old buzzard on top, right? Eating up dead stuff. And so uh, I saw Troy. I said, well, hey, you, you didn't come by here for that, but we're still going to go get it. And so, uh, so me, there's Troy on top of the barn, right? The old buzzard, still a buzzard on top. There's still a buzzard on top, right? But that one's free, okay? And, uh, and me and my buddies went on July the 4th and, and salvaged every bit of usable material from that barn before they tore it down. And um, it was as hot as it was last week. <laughs> but because of the idea God had previously given me about Reclaimed America, I didn't want to just go get the wood. I knew there was something deeper. And so God led me to um, find out the story of the family the Britain family. Nobody, or a lot of people didn't know that it was the Britain family that, that has lived in this area since the 1700s. And God also used the creativity He had placed in me and the work He had asked me to do to create these breadboards. All the while, I had made some poor decisions in my time management, and all of my bills were catching up with me at the moment. See, we want to come and act like everything's always hunky-dory all the time. But I had stretched myself so thin and placed a low priority on the work God was asking me to do, and my family was suffering for it. All of my bills were starting to pile up and get behind. I'm just going to be completely real with you here. And so I'm building all this stuff. I'm doing all this stuff for the community and for the family. And I said, God, I need you to show up in a big way. We had a sale um, called Depot Day. There's a, a, a monthly or a yearly festival called Depot Days. And I said, God, I need this year's Depot days to be the best one ever. The previous two have been, eh, I need this one to be rock solid. Half the amount of people showed up to this year's Depot days because it was so blisteringly hot. Half the amount of people. And we, God brought us more income this year than the previous two years combined. The reason they were there was to buy a piece of local history from the barn here in Smyrna. I had no business getting to. I was the only one that went and got anything. 
because of my kindness at work to somebody putting in pipe that actually costed me as I'm walking out my everyday life, as I'm walking out my everyday life, God met every one of my needs and asked me to do the work. So many times we throw our hands up and say, God, you just got to rescue me. You just got to rescue me. You just got to rescue me. And God said, get out there and work till 10 and watch me bless it because I've been working things out years ago that's going to come right at the right time. All of those things have been years in the making so that I needed it at the right time. Time. The word says at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, God has a way of showing up. And He does it through our work. You realize this brother's life has forever changed and never had to leave the shop? Karen's life can be forever changed and you never have to leave your workplace. There is work that God is asking us to do that is physical. There is work that God is asking us to do that is mental. And there is a spiritual calling that God has on our life. We may not always have the opportunity to share the gospel, but we have the opportunity to be kind to our coworkers. We have the opportunity to operate in peace when all chaos is surrounding us in every environment that you're in. So the last thing for a better life, we can trust God with our work. I know work can be stressful. I know people can stress you out. I stress myself out at work. There's always going to be that one person somewhere, wherever it is that you go. But when we realize that we can trust God with the work He's asking us to do, then He makes it meaningful. He makes being a butcher meaningful. He makes being a gardener meaningful. He makes that 25 years in that same factory spot meaningful. Nothing is wasted. Nothing. None of the work that God is asking us to do is wasted. 